Let's pray. Lord, uh, those words that we just sang are true. We want your word to speak. We don't want it to be our words. We don't want it to be my words, but we want to hear from you this morning. And so would you do that as we gather around your word and to learn more and hear more about what it means to be a part of West Highland and what you've called us to do as a church family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jamie Strickland, and uh, I serve as the pastor of discipleship here at West Highland. And also, during this time where we don't have a lead pastor, I'm serving as our interim ministry team leader. And, uh, and, and it's just great to be here this morning and to get to open up God's Word for you. Now, some of you might have just been checking out West Highland for the first time today. Maybe one of the things you did was you Googled West Highland to get maybe more information about West Highland wonder if anyone here, else here has done a search about West Highland and found, what would they find on, the, on Google about West Highland? I did that over the past week and found a few things. One, I learned that West Highland Terriers are one of the most popular breeds <laughs> of the small terrier family. Any West Highland Terrier fans in the, in the audience this morning? No, not very many. Well, I got, oh, I see, one, I see one hand at the back waving proudly about her West Highland Terrier. In addition to that, I, I saw there was something else interesting called the West Highland Way. And for any of you who are hikers, who love to go hiking, there's actually a trail in the highlands of Scotland called the West Highland Way. It's 154 kilometers in Scotland. Apparently, people take vacation to go on long walks. And uh, this is what some people have done. Apparently, it takes seven days, going about 22 kilometers or something like that per day to cover the West Highland Way. And it looks very beautiful. It looks like kind of that classic Scottish rugged uh, countryside that you might, you might see. And, uh, and going on that, that way would be quite an adventure. This morning I want to tell you a bit more about another kind of West Highland way, another adventure that we as a church are inviting you to be on that won't require 154 kilometers of walking, but will require some other things that I want to lay out this morning. What is the West Highland Way? What is the way we as a church feel God has called us to be and to act and to do in this day and age that we find ourselves in? I think this is an important message for everyone, whether this is your first Sunday here or whether you've grown up at West Highland and you've been here for a long time. I think it's important if it's your first time here because you'll get to know a bit more about who we are as a church, West Highland. But I also think it's an important message for those that have been here for a long time because the thing is with vision is that it leaks. It's hard to hold on to vision. It doesn't stick with us. It doesn't come with a natural adhesive. And so we, have, we constantly need to be reminded as a church, what is our vision as a church? What do we feel like God has specifically called West Highland to do and to be? And so this morning we're going to be looking at at a passage that has kind of been central to our church for many years now. We have a, a motto, making the word of God fully known and the people of God fully mature. And this comes directly from the passage that we just had read for us this morning in Colossians 1, 24 to 29. And so as we begin a new ministry year, we thought as a ministry team and elders that the first Sunday after Labor Day, it would be great to go over what is our vision of a church? Why do we exist as West Highland? But before we go too far, let me just help you understand the context of Colossians and how, or 
how this book was written and what the church was like that it was written originally to. So the context of Colossians, and if you have your Bibles, I'd, I'd invite you to open them up to Colossians chapter 1. So first of all, with Colossians, Paul was writing this letter from prison. It's clear that he was suffering for the gospel, and as he was going around the Roman Empire, he was planning churches and he was encouraging churches, but this led him to experience much persecution, and he found himself in prison. As far as we know, Paul never visited in, in, the, in person this church in Colossae. So he, ne- he did not plant this church. This church was um, planted by Epaphras, which was mentioned in, I believe, verse 7 of Colossians 1. And so Paul is probably in prison, and Epaphras likely is visiting him in prison, telling him about what's going on at this church. And what update would Epaphras have given Paul while he's in church? Well, primarily he's telling Paul probably this church, it's a Gentile church, not Jewish, so the people in this church, they're not familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. And they're living in a Greek culture that's very uh, hostile towards the gospel as it's being spread throughout the Roman Empire. So Paul is in, in, in Colossians, especially in chapter 1, he's writing about Jesus. You'll see that in verses 15 to 20. He's laying out who Jesus is and how that stands apart from all the other so-called Greek gods. Because for the, for the Colossian church, the first thing that they were going to do was that they were going to say, okay, I like Jesus, I'll just add him to all these other Greek gods that we have. And that's what they were doing. So Paul's writing to correct that, to teach them good theology about how they're supposed to act as a church and believe as a church in the midst of a culture that's very antagonistic towards people who are saying Jesus is the one true God. And so he's writing to teach them how to live in a secular culture that's antagonistic towards towards Jesus or has no interest in Jesus. Does it sound like a culture we live in today? This is why the Bible is so relevant to us still today, because so many of the contexts, they're different, but they're the same in another way. There's the same battles that were being fought 2,000 years ago about who is Jesus and what does it look like to live faithfully as a follower of Jesus in a culture that's not really down with what Jesus is all about. And so that's why, again, as we're here this morning, These words from God's word, his holy word written 2,000 years ago, this book, has something to say to each and every one of us individually and to us corporately as a church today. And so this morning, I'm not going to go in depth in every single thing in this passage. Uh, That's been done before from this pulpit. But I really want to zero in on these two statements, making the word of God fully known and making the people of God fully mature, and what we mean by that here at West Highland, by those statements, and how we're inviting you into those statements as well as members of West Highland. And so, first of all, making the Word of God fully known. What is the Word of God that we are seeking to make fully known at West Highland? I think that could refer to many things, and people can interpret it in many ways, but I want to suggest at least three ways that we interpret the Word of God here at West Highland. Firstly, the Word of God means Jesus. We exist to make Jesus fully known. So who is the Jesus that we exist to make fully known? If you've got your Bibles open to Colossians 1, you'll see. Look at, look at verses 15 to 20. 
It says this, this is the Jesus we're making fully known. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross." At West Han, we believe Jesus is God. We don't believe Jesus is a God. We believe Jesus is the God. He's not one among many that we choose to worship. He is God. All things were created through him and for him and by him. This is the Jesus we worship. This is the Jesus we sing about. This is the Jesus we preach about. This is the Jesus we pray through the only one who can give us access to God the Father. We are all about Jesus. If you're coming here and you're confused about who we worship at West Highland, we are not doing a good job because we are all about Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the, one, the only one who lived a perfect life and the one who loves each and every one of us so much that he went to the cross. This is the Jesus we serve. This is the Jesus we exist to make fully known. Here on Sunday mornings and as we scatter throughout the city, we are all about Jesus. We, we sing to him, we praise him, and we worship him. We make the word of God fully known. We are making Jesus fully known. But connected to that, there's a second way we interpret Word of God that the Bible speaks about, and that is we make the Bible fully known. The Word of God is the Bible. We have it here with us. We make the Bible fully known at West Highland. All 39 books of the Old Testament, all 27 books of the New Testament. This is important to, to clarify because in our day and age, there's many people, there's many churches that want to kind of unhitch themselves from God's word. And, they, and, and there's even some that want to unhitch themselves from the Old Testament, saying we just focus on the new. Well, no, at West Highland, this is, the, this is the full revelation of God. Every single page in this book is important to know God. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, we, it teaches us that God created all things. It teaches us that, that we're sinful and that because we're in Adam, we are sinful as well. But it tells us that there's hope. And the hope doesn't come from within us. It comes from outside of us. It comes from God, the Word made flesh, from Jesus. How do we know any of these things if we're not rooting and putting this Bible as the foundation of all we do? This is the hope we have. This is the words of God. You know, there's many people who say, you know, I just wish God would speak audibly to me. Well, if you want to hear God speak audibly, read the Bible out loud. This is where you will hear God speak. If you're hearing God speak in other ways, you have to question it compared to what God's Word says. 
We at West Highland make the Word of God, the Bible, fully known, and we are committed to God's Word, all 66 books. We're going to preach the Word. We're going to pray the Word. We're going to sing the Word. We are all about the Word of God here at, at West Highland. If we don't have the Bible, we don't know anything, pre any of these precious truths. We believe this is the very Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. It's just God breathed into, this, into these words. They're useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The very words of God. What a precious, precious book that God has given us and that so often we take for granted. You know, we live in a day and age where, like, you, you just come to this building and there's all these Bibles and the chairs in front of you. You can open up your phone, and in English there's numerous translations that you can read God's Word in. This hasn't been the way for all of Christian history. We are very privileged people to have access to God's Word. For most of Christian history, it was only priests or monks that had access to this. And you had to speak Latin. You couldn't just read it in English or whatever was your local language. It was during the time of the Protestant Reformation in Europe that the Bible began to be translated into local tongues so that people could read it in the language that they spoke about in everyday life. Again, not just reserved for the academics who studied Latin and were able to read the Latin Bible. And let me use this as, a, as an opportunity to really encourage you to consider coming out on the Wednesday nights for this Trek class. This Trek class talked by Do Dr. Haken on remembering the Reformation. We are privileged to have a scholar like Michael Haken a part of our church. We really take him for granted, I think. He is, he is a world-renowned Christian historian, speaks all over the world about Christian history, and he brings it to life. And so I would encourage you to, to check out this class, because part of it's going to be about William Tyndale and how the Bible was translated into English and the, and the sacrifices that came in order to get the Bible you have in your hands, in your hands today. Psalm 77 says, I will remember the works of the Lord. When we learn about Christian history, we are remembering the great things that God has done, not just in the time of biblical history, but since the time of the early church up until today. We have an amazing opportunity. And just a quick word to parents of youth. We have put this on Wednesday night so you can come drop your kids off and stay instead of driving 20 minutes home then driving 20 minutes back to pick them up so you can go to this class. So if you're a parent of a youth who drops your kid off on Wednesday night, I'm really encouraging you to come out to this class. But even if you're not a parent of youth, it is open to everyone. Consider coming out to this one uh, and you will be blessed. But this is the type of thing we want to do at West Highland. Make the Word of God fully known through the preaching, but also through classes where you can learn more about the Bible and also Christians throughout history. So we make the Word of God fully known. We make Jesus known. We make the Bible known. And thirdly, we make the Gospel fully known. Look at verses 25 and 26 of Colossians 1 with me. So Paul writing, he's saying, I have become the church's servant... By, commission, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery 
that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Paul's become a servant of the church to present the word of God in all, in all its fullness, but it had previously been hidden. This means that there was something that God was up to that it was hard for people to understand. And this is the plan of salvation. How was God going to redeem a sinful people? Again, we learn about the law in the Old Testament, but, but we kept falling if it's on our own. What was God up to that was a mystery that needed to be revealed? And this is the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he died for our sins and he rose again, eternally triumphant over his enemies, so that there is now no condemnation for those that believe, but only everlasting joy. That's the gospel. In order for us to be saved from our sin, it's not just about obeying perfectly the Ten Commandments and the rest of the Old Testament law. This is something we could never do on our own. The gospel is placing our trust on the one who has kept the law fully, who has obeyed the Ten Commandments fully, in your place, and placing faith on him. You're saying, I can't do it on my own, God, but, but I'm placing my faith in Jesus, who has done it already. And that when he dies on the cross, my sin goes with him, and he pays for that. And when he resurrects, because of my union with him, I resurrect with him. And the perfect righteousness that Jesus earned now comes on me. So that when God the Father looks on me, he doesn't see everything that I've done. He sees everything that Jesus done, has done. This is the gospel. This is good news, because we know we can't do it on our own. And so at West Highland, we're going to make the gospel fully known. Lord willing, you come here week after week. You are going to hear the gospel every week. You bring your non-believing friends or family members. They are going to hear the gospel, because it's our only hope. We're not going to lay out a list of, of things that need to be done in order to make yourself right before God, because we can't do that. But we're going to glorify and praise our Savior who has already done that in our place. And that is what we are going to preach, the hope and the good news of the gospel. At West Highland, we are make, making the gospel fully known. And so we're committed to Jesus, we're committed to God's word, the Bible, and we're committed to the gospel. These are the foundations of our ministry here that undergird what we do, making the word of God fully known. And so but we also have the second part of that statement, making the word of God fully known and the people of God fully mature. This statement comes from verse 28 in Colossians 1, which reads, Him we, we proclaim, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This was Paul's kind of mission statement. This is what we've kind of taken on at West Ham, that we want to make the people of God fully mature. When I hear that, what I hear is, we are committed to your discipleship. We are committed to seeing you grow as disciples of Jesus. The Great Commission is Matthew 28, 19 to 20, the last words Jesus spoke before he ascended to heaven. This is the words that he spoke to his disciples. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, his last words to his disciples is go out into all the nations and make disciples more disciples. 
Do the work of evangelism. Bring the gospel to them. Plant churches. See people become fully mature in Christ. It says that they're supposed to baptize people. People are baptized following belief in the gospel. And that's the order we believe in it here at West Highland, is that someone believes the gospel, and then they are baptized. And so we're calling people here, if you've believed in the gospel, but not yet been baptized, and that's probably your first step of obedience, that's your next step here at West Highland, is to, to be baptized as a believer. All through the book of Acts, repent and believe and be baptized. That's the order of operations. And so at West Highland, we're committed to ba- believer's baptism. But we're also committed to the last part of the Great Commission that says, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So we're going to teach you what the, what the Word says, but we're also going to come alongside you to help you obey all that Jesus commanded. It's not just enough to know all that Jesus commanded in our heads and then go on living however we want. We're teaching you to obey all that Jesus commanded. So in a sense, the whole of the Christian life is learning more about Jesus, learning more about God's word, and then putting it into practice and application wherever you are in life. As a parent with your children, at the workplace, in your homes, wherever you are, how does what I'm learning about Jesus in the Bible apply to me in this place where I'm living? It's the process of discipleship. It's the process of becoming fully mature. The process of becoming fully mature isn't just who can win a sword drill holding their Bible above their head, and I say, you know, Hosea 3, verse 12, and whoever can get to it most quickly, that's the most mature person in the congregation. Well, no, it's the person that's applying the words of God's word, what God has told us in their life. At West Highland, we have a definition of a disciple that we use. You may have seen it as you came in. We have it on a banner. This is a disciple, someone who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. We didn't just make that up. That's based on Matthew 4:19, when Jesus first called his first disciples and said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So follow me. We're following Jesus. And I will make you. We're being changed by Jesus. Fishers of men. We're committed to the mission of Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what he said to his first followers. What does it mean to follow Jesus? A disciple is a follower. Think of it in terms as of an, an apprentice. So like if someone's wanting to become a plumber, they become a, an apprentice under another plumber. Yes, they may go to class to learn a few things about plumbing, but their most valuable learning, their most valuable following, is going to be following someone who's doing the plumbing, seeing how they do it, and then going and doing the same. That's what we do with Jesus if we're followers of Jesus, if we're disciples of Jesus. We learn about him, yes, but then we also follow him the way that he has done things, and then we go and we do the same. We're changed by Jesus. Our lives should look different as a result of following Jesus. If it's all up here, that's all that's changed, but your life looks the same as it did before, then you're not truly following Jesus because you haven't been changed by Jesus. 
We need to grow in maturity. Our lives should reflect the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we're being changed by Jesus, our lives are looking more like that day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. We're changed by Jesus. We're looking more like him in our lives. And then we're also committed to the mission of Jesus. Remember, any book that you read in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul is written to a church on mission. It's likely a newly planted church. It's not a a stagnant church that's been around for 300 years. It's a church that's on mission. It's just growing. The whole context of the New Testament is church on mission. For the disciple of Jesus, finding a new church or finding a church doesn't mean where can I go to get my needs met. It means where can I go to stand beside brothers and sisters in Christ who I'm aligned with to be on the mission of Jesus in my city together. Jesus lived his life on mission. You read the the Gospels, how much of it is him interacting with non-believers and talking to them about the kingdom? If we're following Jesus, this is what our lives should, should reflect. He came to serve, not to be served. So our lives should reflect a life of service and of mission. Individually, if we're disciples of Jesus, we should be seeking to follow him, be changed by him, and be committed to his mission. But then, what does that look like for us then corporately together as a church body, as West Highland together? Let me share with you at least four ways that I think we need to be committed together to the mission of Jesus and to the making of the Word of God fully known and the people of God fully mature. The first thing is that we worship together collectively as a church. It's kind of the starting place once you've come to faith in Christ or even if you're just exploring Jesus. This is your first commitment here, worshiping God collectively. And I see you're here doing that, so it's a good first step. But when we come together worshiping, we come together weekly. So we're committed to worshiping weekly on the Lord's Day Sunday, which is what the the pattern of of the early church We come together for corporate worship to sing praises to God, to pray to God, to hear God's word preached. Sometimes we get the privilege of seeing baptisms. Monthly, on the first Sunday of every month, we, we come together and go to the Lord's table and be reminded of the gospel regularly. As Christians, we're called to gather together, and we gather together weekly. If you're a follower of Jesus, You gather for worship weekly, not sporadically. If right now, uh, there's many people at West Highland that call West Highland home, and we see them once a month, and that hurts hurts the church when you're not here. Because in, in Colossians, it says that the church is a body. If part of the body is missing, it hurts. If a hand is missing, the body cannot operate. And so if we're gathering and the whole body's not together on a weekly basis, it's like part of the body's been amputated. It hurts the body. And so there's a call to weekly worship. We want to gather together worship 
You need us and we need you. Commit to weekly worship here at West Highland. But after settling in on worshiping weekly together corporately, the second thing we want you to do is grow together in small group community. When the church was just formed in the book of Acts, you know, the disciples, they waited for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in Acts 2. Peter proclaimed and preached a gospel message, and many came to faith. And then this is what's recorded in Acts 2, 42 to 47, about the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. So they were sharing things. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It says that the church gathered together, yes, corporately in the temple courts, large group, but they also gathered together from home to home, small groups. When it comes to people who know Jesus, there's no lone rangers. You've got to be together with the body. Again, Sunday morning for worship, and we're calling you to small group community. It's easy to get lost at a church like West Highland, a large church, two services. It's very easy to remain anonymous, and we want no one to remain anonymous. We want to know you, and we want you to be known by people in our church. As a disciple of Jesus, you're called to community. We think the best way that you can do that at West Highland, the most practical and easy way, is to get involved in a community group. Community groups are groups of 8 to 15 people that gather together regularly in homes, and they gather for worship, for time in the Word, for witness, We have close to 40 community groups now at West Highland, and there's a place for every single one of you. In fact, there's several new ones that are just starting this fall. So if you're not currently involved in a community group, there is a a seat for you in a group that's starting this fall. And in, in the ministry fair after the service, you can go and check out a lot of our ministries, but one of the first booths, if you go at that door, is the community group booth. And if you're not connected or if you've got questions, I would encourage you to go there. We want you to get involved in small group community. So we want you to be connected to weekly worship, to small group community, and then thirdly, using your gifts to serve. Using your gifts to serve. In 1 Corinthians 14... One of the main passages about spiritual gifts in the Bible, it says that the gifts were given for the common good, for the building up of the body. You, if you are a follower of Jesus, has been given a gift. There's no Christian who does not have a spiritual gift. You have one. You might have have a few. They were given to you, not for you to sit on, but for you to use for the building up of the church, for being part of what God has called your local church to be a part of. At West Highland, we have many ways that you can get involved in serving, kind of whatever spiritual gift you have. We can help connect you to a ministry. And again, I would just encourage you after the service, go around in our ministry fair and just see if there's a ministry that that resonates with you where you can serve. There's plenty of, of ways that you can serve here. 
And if you're not sure what your spiritual gift is, or if you'd like to know more about that, you know, please contact me afterwards or, for, or Pastor Chris. He helps people get connected into service based on their spiritual gifts. If you're serving in line with your spiritual giftings, you just feel more sense of fulfillment and growth in your spiritual life and life in general. If you're feeling like your Christian life's kind of stagnating and you're not involved in meaningful service, that might be one of the reasons. So we worship together weekly. We are part of small group community. We are part of serving. And then we're also committed to the Lord's mission. Remember, Jesus has left us with a mission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. God has not saved you so that you can just come out on Sunday morning and worship him. That's part of it. He saved you so that you can remain on mission. Jesus could have taken the disciples up with him to heaven if, if everything was done. But no, there's more work to be done. And it requires all hands on deck. If we really want to make an impact on our city and on our country and on our world, we need each and every one of you as part of mission. Again, think about the life of Jesus in the four Gospels and how much of it was interacting with people related to the kingdom of God. His original disciples got a front row seat to it. And then they went out and did the same. As we get closer and closer to Jesus, we have to get closer and closer to his mission. This is our legacy and heritage as followers of Jesus. It's not in building, it's not, not in plaques, it's not in memorial stones, it's in people we are investing in. That is our legacy. And so we encourage you to help, that you would grow as a Christian by being a part of mission, of making the word of God fully known and the people of God fully mature, amongst your neighbors, amongst your coworkers, amongst your family members, and amongst your friends. So what have we said so far? Let's, let me just summarize here before I give you a few options for next steps. Making the word of God fully known. At West High, we are here to make Jesus known. We are going to build our ministry on the Bible, and we are committed to sharing the gospel. And making the people of God fully mature, this is the process of discipleship. A disciple is someone who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus. Corporately, we do this by worshiping together weekly, by gathering together in small group community, by using our gifts in service, and by being on mission together. So let me ask you now, what is your next step? What is your next step? If we are a church that's alive, things that are alive, they move. We need to be a church on the move, which re requires being a people of God that is on the move. What is your next step? Let me leave you with five opportunities. I don't want you to go home and think, I've got to do all five of these things. I want you to choose one that you're not currently doing to think about, is this my next step as we start the fall ministry season here at West Highland? The first one is, Believe in Jesus. There's some of you here who have come in, you've, you've, this might be your first week, you're just inquiring about what, what Christianity is all about, and we are glad that you are here. Your next step might just be placing your faith and trust in Jesus. Coming to him and saying, I can't do it on my own, Lord, but I'm so thankful and grateful that you have done it for me. I'm going to place my trust in and faith in you. 
Some of you have done that, and we praise the Lord for that. And we're hoping now that as the fall ministry season starts as well, you'd look towards baptism. We will have a baptism service uh, at some point in the next uh, few months. And it would just be amazing to have 20, 30, or 40 people baptized here on a Sunday morning. We just don't even have time for a sermon because we're just baptizing one after the other. And so if you've not yet been baptized, you can, again, you could talk to me about that afterwards or write me an email. I'd love to talk with you about baptism. But the second thing after believing in Jesus is, again, committing to weekly worship. If you're here this morning, I'm so grateful for that, but commit to coming out next week, and then the week after, and then the week after. Just Sunday after Sunday morning, you are here at West Ham. This is part of what you do. You don't dabble in fellowship and church community. You are committed to it. Commit to weekly worship. We are about to enter a fall series uh, pastor Dwayne Klein who will be our interim preaching pastor and we're going to go through a series called Encountering Jesus Week after week you're going to hear a different story from the Gospels about Jesus interacting with someone About where they were at in their stage of life This is a great series for you to commit to coming out to and it's a great series for you to consider who's uh, Someone who's curious about Jesus in my life this would be a great place for them to get introduced to Jesus. And so invite them. One of the reasons why we went to two services is the first week, as you know, of us going to two services for this fall ministry season is so that there's room beside you for you to invite someone. I love being in one service where it's full, we're just singing together and it's loud in here. Man, I'm going to miss that. But I'm also committed to the fact that we are a church on mission and we need room for your family member who's not here this morning or your friend or your coworker or your neighbor who could be sitting right next to you next Sunday as we start this series. So think about who could I be inviting to this Encountering Jesus series. Commit yourself to weekly worship and perhaps invite someone else as well. Number three is join a community group. This is the perfect time of year to join a community group. We've got new ones starting. There's a seat in the room available for you. You just have to go out those doors and sign up out there for a community group. Again, this is a place where you can be known by people at this church, people who will care for you. You'll, you'll share uh, perhaps a meal together. You'll get into the Word, discuss the sermons together, pray for one another, live out the one another's. It's hard to do that in the context of a large group of several hundred people, but in a room with eight to ten people, you can, you can live out the Christian life together. And so join a community. That might be your next step for some of you in this room. The fourth thing would be find an area to serve. If you're believing in Jesus, you're here weekly, you're in a community group, my, my next step for you would say, like, get involved in serving in ministry. There's a lot of things going on at West Highland where we, where we make the gospel fully known, where we make Jesus fully known. But there's a lot of people who are doing a lot of work to make those things happen. And we need more of you to come in and serve in areas of ministry. And so, again, go around to the ministry fair and check out some of the tables and inquire, hey, do you guys need more people here? I, my guess is they're going to say yes. And finally, get involved in the mission to make disciples. If you're already doing all the things I mentioned this morning, then the last thing I'd challenge you is to get involved in the mission to make disciples. Share the gospel with a non-believer. Share your testimony. Invite them out to church next week or for next week. 
Have a cup of coffee with a younger believer and ask them questions about their, their growth. Tell them your story. Especially to the older generation in our church, there are many younger people that would welcome sitting across from you and hearing about how you have followed Jesus. The younger, people younger than me are more interested in getting together with you than you think. When you were younger, you may not have, you may have been intimidated by getting together with someone older, but I'm seeing in the millennials and the Gen Z, they want to meet with older people. If you initiated with them, my guess is they're going to say yes. And so it's a two-way street. Our older generation needs to come and approach our younger generation, and our younger generation needs to come and approach our older generations. But we are one body together. And so my encouragement to you is to make disciples of Jesus. Do the work of evangelism and do the work of discipleship. So when we say, what is West Highland all about? We are about making the word of God fully known and the people of God fully mature. This may seem like a large goal, but it's what God's given us. And if we look at verse 29 here, this is what I'm going to close with. Paul writes this. He's talked all about making the word of God fully known, the people of God fully mature. He says this in verse 29. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy God Christ so powerfully works within me. Paul is working hard, but he is allowing God to work through him. He knows he can't do it all on his own. On the one hand, he is strenuously contending. He's working hard, but he's allowing the power of the gospel, allowing the power of Christ to work within him so that he can accomplish the goal for which God has called him to. If we're going to do this together, we can't do it on our own strength. We need to be looking to Christ and to his spirit to empower us to do the things that we feel like God has called us to do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, which speaks to us today. Lord, we thank you for your word that is true, that is profitable for teaching and training and correcting. Lord, we thank you for your word that teaches us about Jesus. Where are we supposed to go apart from your word, Lord? You have the words of eternal life, and we thank you that we have copies of the Bible in our hands today. Lord, I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers, and that, Lord, that you would put a specific next step on each person's heart here, whatever that would be, one of the five I mentioned or maybe another one, Lord, whatever it is, but that we would be a church on the move committed to making the word of God fully known and the people of God fully mature. And, Lord, that it would lead to that day where we all come before you as people from every tribe and tongue and nation worshiping before the Lamb in heaven. What a beautiful picture it will be. And God, we want to be a part of that mission. So help us to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me encourage you to go out after and just check out our ministry fair. There's, there's something that you can learn about or something that you can learn about how to serve in our church. So just check that out right after the service. And let me leave you now with a benediction from Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.